The Start On Demand. On demand. It is Great Thursday, the day before Good Friday, but this isn't great news as it pertains to that Amber Alert that was issued on Tuesday. It seems a number of people called 911 to complain about the Amber Alert. We also talked about infill housing and Winnipeg's future. Small town salutes the quest for Hockeyville in St. Adolph. It's not an April Fool's joke. Golf courses can't serve alcohol on the course. We had our weekly gab with Gabby. We spoke with Just Call Me Jen about her amazing tiny houses. And we had some fun reminiscing about our favorite children's entertainers and our favorite kids shows. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who's back on Monday. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Thursday, April 1st podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Well, minus McNabb. McNabb has taken the day off, and uh, she'll be back on Monday. GMAC is off on Monday, uh, but I'll be here. But, uh, you know, we got to talk about the Jets. we got to talk about what's happening in Ontario. But I will just open by saying uh, I have not looked forward to a long weekend as much as I think I have this one, Greg. And it almost started early because I slept in today. Started early because you slept late. Yeah, that's right. It was almost a situation where I thought, should I even bother going in today? Oh, it was at that point, was it? <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, I'm glad you decided to join me this morning because yeah. uh, I'm not sure how much Loren would have enjoyed me knocking on her door. At <laughs> 5.55, uh, you need to get on the air right <laughs> now. You need to carry the show till I get back to Portage and May. It would have been just a hodgepodge. So, uh, so yes, it is Great Thursday. Is, is that what they called it? Back, I guess, back in the day. Yes, Great Thursday, the busiest bar night of the year. Going into Good Friday and the long weekend, people would take advantage because then you could get sort of two Fridays for the price of one. You could head to the bar Thursday night, recuperate Friday, do your uh, good deeds on Good Friday, and then uh, head back out Saturday night. So. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we, well, I was talking to Chris over at the King's Head just asking, is that still a thing in recent years? And I guess in, in our day, as sure. we might say, it, it was the, the busiest bar night of the year. Not quite so much anymore because they a few years back they changed the rules so you could actually... The bars could open on Good Friday. I actually remember going to a wedding social on Great Thursday about oh, yeah? 25 years ago. It was oh, a heck of wow. a social, too. Yeah, that would have been a wild party. Like, I remember standing in line, getting to the bar at 5.45 p.m. once to Tijuana Yacht Club. 5.45 we got there, and there were already, like, 75 people in line. TYC. That was a big room. That was what? Could you have about 1,300 people in that bar? About that. It was huge. I remember the first time I went there, I came home for my mom's 50th birthday, actually. And uh, my buddy Viking dragged me out and said, we're going out tonight. I said, "Ah, come on, man. I said, I just got, no, no, we're going out. We're going to this place, Tijuana. I walked in. I could not believe that I was in a nightclub that big in Winnipeg. And it was jam-packed wall to wall. Uh, some good times back at the TYC. Yep, yeah, I had a great time there, and we actually got in. We think we got there that early that night because we had been stymied in years past in attempts to get it. Like, I remember going to Scandals on Pemina at 7 p.m. <laughs> 7 o'clock, and we in couldn't get daylight. in. daylight. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the sun was still shining at 5.45, oh, of course. Yes. Oh, yes. And the uh, lineup inside, everybody, I guess, <laughs> went straight from work, which is what we did. So the lineup for the food stand, which I think was called Chilito. Okay. Uh, it's just a burrito stand. No, but there were like uh, half of the bar was in line to get food because oh, no one had at, eaten. That at, was at Tijuana Yacht Club. At Tijuana Yacht That's Club. right. Yeah. They had they had some good. Uh, they actually had some good uh, Mexican food at that stand. I was going to say scandals. Didn't they just only have pizza? Uh, scandals. Yeah, probably uh, every once in a while they had pizza. Yeah, if you were unlucky enough to get it. <laughs> but those lineups at scandals were. Crazy, right down the middle of the parking lot. Yeah, and well, and the, the day that uh, so on the Thursday night, the, the, it wrapped around 
the building, um, I don't know how many people were in line, but they, they, the bar was full by 7 o'clock. So I said, it's funny, I, standing in line was terrible, but uh, I, so I have fond memories of standing in line, and yet I don't miss it. And I guess uh, that's one of the things we're going to be talking about today, uh, and you're hearing about in, in Global News with Jeff Braun as well, is uh, it's, it's sort of the new form of the lineup with people. We're getting mixed reports, of course, of people stuck in line at the convention center. Yeah, the, the reports continue, and they are varied, and it seems to be a time of day thing. We've yet to verify that, but based on the information, the feedback that we've received from you, there seems to be an issue later on in the day, in the afternoons in particular. We know a couple of days ago that uh, the vaccine task force, Dr. Joss Reimer, acknowledged that they had some staffing issues in the afternoon. So if you have a morning appointment... Uh, congratulations, because it seems to go much more smoothly in the morning. Now, today's a big day for your dad, correct? Yes. W- what time is Smash Gordon's apport- appointment? Uh, just after 11 o'clock. So not too bad. He might be in that realm where he gets in and out of there in an hour or less. I Well, I, I hope so. I, it's, he doesn't have any mobility issues or anything like that. So I, if we do have to stand around it in line for a couple of hours, it won't be the end of the world. But, uh, yeah, because we heard some people say that they, they're they cancelling their appointments because they don't want to be stuck in line for several hours, and other people are saying they were in and out in under an hour. Sure. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited uh, for my dad that he's getting his vaccine today, so I will Terrific. be meeting him at the convention centre uh, once we're done work here. So uh, I guess if you, if you have any experience with the convention centre, and the vaccination super site, let us know at 204-780-6868. Winnipeg Jets, Toronto Maple Leafs. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my dad texted me just before face-offs. He goes, feels like playoffs, and it did for a lot of folks. The showdown for first place, the Jets came into the night or went into the night, one point behind the Maple Leafs for first in the North Division. The Maple Leafs scored early, uh, not necessarily often, but they did build a 3 nothing lead before the Jets finally got on the board. The Jets were... Dominant is a strong word, but they were the, I guess, the team with more shots on goal, more opportunities in the second and third period. But the the tale was really told in the first 10 minutes or so. Toronto scored a couple of early goals and uh, stole the momentum. Blake Wheeler went out of the game with an injury last night. Uh, Hopefully we'll get an update on that at some point today, find out what the extent of that is. Paul Stastny either lost uh, some teeth or or some bridge work in the game, gave the Jets a four-minute Power play opportunity. They were down 2 nothing at the time, and you're thinking, okay, just get one here, boys. Well, they did get one. The problem was so did Toronto. <laughs> Toronto got a shorthanded goal uh, before Josh Morrissey uh, got a power play goal for the Jets. Uh, instead of 2-1, it was 3-1 at that point, and uh, well, that was essentially it. As Jeff Braun was telling you in Global News, uh, at 6.30, uh, what we're going to talk about now in our business. You know, we do our best to hear views and opinions, expert and otherwise, to the issues of the day. We value your input to our program via text and email. Some of our very best and most important stories come from your tips, experiences, and feedback, such as the feedback you've been providing this morning on your vaccine experience yesterday. We appreciate that. Uh, even when we disagree in our exchanges, we do try our best to maintain respect. That being said, there are times when the actions of some in our community deserve to be called out for what they are. You will recall that on Tuesday evening, Winnipeg police issued an Amber Alert. Sounds something like this. That signal is followed by critical information regarding an emergency situation. It was only the second time in the history of the system Winnipeg police had decided to enact this protocol. Well, It worked. The situation was resolved. The system worked exactly the way it did, that that being the Amber Alert system. Um, We got tips coming in um, from all sorts of people based on the information that we had put out. Um, Those tips are invaluable in in these types of investigations and these types of scenarios. So um, uh, we want to make sure everyone continues to do that. If you see something... 
uh, and you think it's related, let us know because uh, uh, it might be the one that, that makes the difference. Um, in, in this case, a lot of tips came in from the Winnipeg area citing vehicles that they thought were related. Uh, it turned out that wasn't the case, but we don't know that. The callers don't know that. Um, Constable Rob Carver joined Richard and Julie on the news yesterday afternoon with news that some people actually felt the Amber Alert was so intrusive to their lives that they called 911. In terms of complaints, uh, I, I guess there's a, uh, I've got a couple of things to say. One is 911 is not the appropriate way to deal with that. You've got an issue. There are um, there are ways to email the Winnipeg Police Service. Um, when you call 911, you are tying up an emergency line that someone may need to have their life saved. Uh, your dissatisfaction with something is absolutely uh, that's the, an inappropriate way um, to uh, to deal with it, and and it's you're you're potentially putting someone's life at risk. So uh, just don't do it. I have no other comment what was the nature of the complaints they didn't want this on their phone well they they vary people and believe it or not somebody thought they were too loud um <laughs> you know, some people didn't like um didn't like the fact that it was interrupting what they were doing i mean you mentioned you know I, we had a number of people even that i work with saying you know it it it, it stopped tv broadcasts i i want to move back to what i said at the beginning this ended just the way we had we had hoped the way we have our fingers crossed a two-year-old was safe at the end of it and if you can't give up a little tiny bit of your time to make sure that happens then you've got to rethink what's important to you this is this is a, the safety of a child and and that's what it's supposed to do I mean, if you're bothered by that i think you got to look in the mirror that's what i think for every ludicrous call you make to complain, you're preventing calls, which may be in the queue with information to resolve the Amber Alert itself. There are other serious ramifications to your selfish actions. As Constable Carver said, if your first thought is that this is wor- worthy of a complaint, let alone a call to 911, take a look at yourself in the mirror. And, you know, what else can you say? Yeah, sometimes... Um Sometimes I'm I'm reminded, things like this remind me that uh, we can never really underestimate uh, people's ability to be stupid. Uh, It's just the the fact that people would think to call 911 for anything other than an emergency, one, is uh, just staggering to me. But two, that they would call to complain about an Amber Alert. Uh, the ignorance and stupidity. We see it all the time on social media, right? Sure. I mean, Twitter, for example, is a, is sort of a lightning rod for that kind of stuff. The, the comments I see on Twitter and, and Facebook as well blow me away every day at the level of ignorance that's out there. But the fact that anybody would think that this is an acceptable course of action to call 911 to file a, a complaint, it just it makes me sad and uh, and I, it, there's part of my brain that just is struggling to compute this information. How is this even possible? Well, it just, you know, it comes down to, in a lot of cases, it's all about me and how the actions of others have affected my life and you're intruding on my freedoms and my ability to watch my television program or whatever activity might have been interrupted. I know we had an Amber Alert uh, months ago. It might even have been over a year ago and it was a situation in southern Ontario. Well, we go to sleep. We try to go to sleep 7.30 some nights, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock. It was fairly late. Picked it up and all I could think of, I hope that gets resolved peacefully and without incident and I went back to sleep that was the end of that yeah Mackling and McGarry McNabb is back on Monday Greg what are we talking about here well Monday night I was doing some old-fashioned channel surfing just cruising around trying to find something to watch and I came across this gem please give a huge warm welcome for Fred Henner Gee, it's a pleasure to be back, and thank you all for coming out today. Across North America, Fred Penner is a superstar. It was the heyday for the children's performer. There was such a hunger for good entertainment for kids. He knows how to engage his audience and invite them in. 
We recognize when someone is the real deal in the way he talks to his audience. Fred is one of the real ones. There are a lot of Freds, but there's only one. Fred Fenner. But there's only one Un Fred We remember the stuff that influenced our childhood. And to be able to pull back for a moment is really, really important for all of us. We're so good. I'm so good. I confess to shedding a few tears watching this uh, documentary. It's called Fred Penner. This is my world. It's on Super Channel, Heart and Home. I think it also might be called Fuse, Brett. Uh, I'm not exactly sure, but we were uh, so lucky to spend some time with uh, Mr. Penner a few years back to help launch his last album. At the time, it was called Hear the Music. It was a delightful trip down memory lane. Growing up, we... Had in my house a kitten disappear one day, about three weeks after it disappeared. It showed up mewing at the at the front door. That kitten, forevermore, was called Penner. <laughs> so we have a very uh, indelible connection to Fred Penner in our house. So we want to discuss your favorite children's entertainer, your favorite kids show, your favorite kids song. Text us at 204-780-6868 for your chance to win a Santa Lucia pizza $20 gift card. And make sure you tell us a story along with that. Don't just name, well, you can just name the show if you want, but if you have a story, that's how you win. So let's go around the horn here. we got Cam Poitras, Jeff Fortier, Jeff Braun. Jeff Fortier, what you got? Barney, baby. Barney was my boy. <laughs> <laughs> I even had a little uh, Barney stuffed animal, and, you know, he came to the hospital with me when I got the tube surgery thing that kids get and uh, so he had a little tag on him uh, for himself that uh, had his name on it so that was really oh, cool cute. and then my dreams were all smashed when my older brother told me and my best buddy that uh, Barney was just a guy in a costume <laughs> oh no no he's not <laughs> it was devastating we cried me and my friend we cried and uh yeah, just smash dreams. I'm sorry <laughs> you know, to hear that. That's terrible. I know. It's, it's funny how parents and kids see Barney so very differently. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <I'm... laughs> Do you still have that Barney stuffed animal? In my, yeah, it's at my parents' place. Uh, but I, I still like dinosaurs. I'm wearing a dinosaur shirt right now, and uh, it says, I am unstoppable. And he has one of those, what is it, uh, a, a, a grabber thing, like a, an extension, a grabber extension. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> With his little uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex hand. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a guy in a suit, Jeff. Hey, <laughs> you don't tell me that. <laughs> what about you, Bron? Uh, for me, it is Fred Penner. Um, and, you know, these things obviously depend exactly on your age. And uh, I was, I remember being in grade three, and Fred Penner must have been just uh, up and coming because he came and played at our school. He did a concert in the gym for all of us, and it was uh, one of like the 10 best moments of my life still. I, I remember just being in awe that he was actually there. And then I believe uh, we got him signing autographs in the, the mall in Altona around the same time as well. So it was a good time to be a kid in the early to mid-80s there with uh, Fred Penner on the rise. Cam Porches. See, take this oatmeal cookie. It's important. It means whole lot to me. Me not want to make this butter cookie feel bad. Cookies have feelings, Cap. Yeah, I got to go with Cookie Monster from Sesame Street. He was my favorite uh, on the show growing up as a kid. Uh, my name was obviously Cameron, so C for C is for cookie. That's good enough for me, and my, my mom would sing that to me all the time when I was a kid. C is for cookie. That's good enough for me. And, uh, yeah, I just, I always love Cookie Monster. He's always my favorite on the show. Whenever he came up, I'd always uh, uh, pay attention a little bit extra. I love, love Cookie Monster. And I don't know how he ate all those cookies. I still don't know. But they seem to go everywhere. Is he, this is going to be a dumb question, but I haven't seen Sesame Street in a while. But is the Cookie Monster still around? Or have they turned him into like the carrot monster? No, I think he's still around. If if not, that's a that is so stupid. If they if they did that, <laughs> no, they haven't turned him into anything else. But they have tried to encourage him to balance his diet well, a little oh, bit. That's ridiculous. <laughs> he's a puppet, people. He's he not likes... a puppet, Cam. He's a muppet. Yeah, he's there's a muppet. A, th there's a distinction with a yes. difference. Okay, but he, he he eats cookies and he's a puppet. So like. 
Just chill out, people. He doesn't need to eat carrots all the time. I didn't just, well, I wanted to eat cookies when I watched Cookie Monster, but it's not like I didn't eat anything else. Like, give me a break. <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, for me, this is, uh, well, it's more of a, sh- I've gone with a show, not necessarily an, enter- an entertainer. And this is a young Morgan Freeman. Sisters and misses and misters, here's your daddy yo with the sounds to go. No shucking, no jiving. I'm telling you, your music's arriving. Ha <laughs> ha, what I say. It's Mel Mounds here with our special request game called The Same as Your Name. So that is from a show called Greg, do you know the show? I'm gonna say the Electric Company. It is from the Electric Company. That's right. That show taught me to read. <laughs> Television taught me to read. So <laughs> it was a fantastic show. We're gonna turn you on. I loved the electric company. I going to give I, you the power. I barely remember anything. I remember there being Spider-Man and the yes. Hulk was on it. But uh like I, I can't remember any individual moments because I think I was three years old watching it. Yeah, but my parents tell me the electric company is what taught me to read. That's pretty special. So I love that show. So here's what we need from you. 204-780-6868. Send us a text about your favorite children's entertainer, your favorite kids show, favorite kids song, and tell us why for a chance to win that $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza. And just before we do the hockey, Greg, I'll just quickly play this. Fred Penner's in the studio. The song's called I Hear the Music, the title track of the album. Walking to the corner or standing still. My eyes and ears never get their fill. Maybe hot and sunny or a gentle rain is tap, tap, tapping on my window pane. Cause the world is turning, I can feel the beat. From the tips of my fingers to the soles of my feet. I love life and everything I do is all about the rhythm and the songs for you. Oh, I hear the 2017. Music. Four years already, G-Mac. Holy smokes. I, I have kept, a- oh, I'm so glad you have that clip i have that saved too and i at the end when uh greg joins in fred asks you guys to join in uh brett i don't uh, i don't hear you singing much at the end do you have that handy oh i do Uh, i was trying to find it every minute of the day i can hear it all around join in i hear the music every minute of the day i can hear it all around me I hear the music every minute of the day. I can hear it all around me. <laughs> Holy smokes. That is awesome. The singing is terrible, at least half of it, but that is fabulous. Thank you, Jeff Forte. Thank you, Brett McGarry. When is the last time you took a drive up, say, McPhillip Street towards the perimeter? Or how about through Sage Creek in the southeast? Have you explored the area broadly known as Waverly West on either side of the Route 90 extension? In every corner of the city and outside its boundaries, new homes are being built and sold. New neighborhoods are being created. Yeah, and as Winnipeg continues to grow, there are increasing demands for new housing options. Not everyone wants to live in the furthest reaches of the city or outside its boundaries. If you explore Winnipeg's established neighborhoods, if you look closely enough, it's difficult to not find evidence of something called infill development. Nigel Fergus, president of Paragon Design Build, joins us now to discuss this critical piece of Winnipeg's future. Good morning, Nigel. Good morning. So I think most of us have heard this terminology, but in a broad sense, maybe you could tell us what is infill development and how prevalent is it becoming? Well, you know, residential infill is new housing in these established neighborhoods. And Winnipeg is seeing uh, a change. And we're, we're seeing that more people want to live in these established neighborhoods, mature communities. Uh, where you can live, work, shop, learn, and play within close proximity to each other. Is part of the demand for this infill just because they want to be closer to perhaps the center of the city or maybe not so far uh, on the outskirts, just the, the, the time involved? Yeah, exactly. Like what we're finding is people are looking for choices that can put them in these mature established communities that that keep them closer to kind of the downtown but can also keep them within like a comfortable, mature communities with lots of trees and uh, give them just different choices. 
So uh, density is a term I think that many of us have heard. City planners use it a lot. And of course, city councillors will use it as well. Can you define the term for us and maybe talk about Winnipeg's overall official approach to density? Yeah, so I think when we talk about density, we're talking about uh, replacing, say, a single home with uh, with one or two or more um two or more units on that existing lot um what we're seeing is you know say we tear down one house in a community and we're replacing it with two homes or possibly three or four um and what it really does is it gives it it fills that missing middle so in winnipeg a lot of the housing stock uh is 1950s or older i think we have an average uh home age of 73 years old so in the 50s, a lot of people used to build single-family homes, but now what we're seeing is this missing middle, it's called. And uh, and, and what that is, it's, it's kind of just giving some soft density to these mature communities. Is, it, is there such a thing as too much infill? Like, for example, I live in Osborne Village, and in the last five years alone, I, I can't even count the number of houses, which old houses which have been torn down to make way for three, four, five-story apartment blocks, um, which I think is great to see that kind of development, but parking in the neighborhood is uh, a challenge, to say the least. Yeah, so I, I think what it is, is, is good infill sticks within the characteristics of the community, and and, and there's areas in the city that um, there's a, commu- a, a thing called the community communities. It's kind of a secondary plan that the city has put together to address where what areas we can have density and what areas we can't have density. Um, so, you know, it encourages the development in these mature communities, but it also it also offers the best opportunities and it helps meet meet some of the climate change action plans. Um, and what, what what we can do is the city's infill, in addition to greenfield developments, to accommodate future population growth, we can reduce the carbon emissions and re- reduce our footprint as well. Now, uh, we just had a conversation a couple of weeks ago about jargon. You use the word greenfield development for those that are uninitiated. What is that? So the greenfield developments are the developments that are happening kind of in the suburbs. Like, you know, we're seeing a little bit of this urban sprawl. Um, so we're creating new infrastructure to accommodate some of this new housing stock. Um, what infill does really, it, it kind of utilizes the existing infrastructure um, by reusing and, and adding, um, adding new homes to the existing infrastructure that we have. Some people have concerns that, that it's maybe too much stress on uh, maybe overloaded sewer systems, sewer systems that are already aging, crumbling, need replacement, uh, roads that are in the similar situation. What's your reaction to that, Nigel? So you, you know what it is? Um, when we do infill, like in the, so the city right now, whenever you do two or more units on one parcel of property, you're actually required to... Um, to replace the infrastructure on that property and and they make you contain a one in a 25 year flood within your property so we're putting in like say 50 to 100 thousand dollars of infrastructure on one parcel of property so info really does actually contribute to the renewal of the infrastructure that's currently there Nigel Fergus, president of Paragon Design Build, joining us live on 680 CJOB to talk about infill Nigel thank you very much for the time much appreciated sir Thanks, guys. Have a great week. Take care. Yeah, GMAC, uh, it seems like every other day a house is being brought down in the Osborne Village, sort of Crescentwood area, uh, to make way for, you know, uh, multi-unit, uh, whether it's uh, sort of just on, on the site of a house or maybe they'll they'll tear down. I think on Stradbrook, for example, they tore down two houses and built a four-story block. I'm sure that has 50 suites in it. Yeah, it's very common. And also you're going to start seeing, I'm already seeing it because I sort of live in that realm. Um you're seeing a lot of duplexes being built on traditionally single family home lots. So you'll see a, a home with a basement suite or a nanny flat being incorporated into the new build. It's a trend. I think it's the wave of the future for Winnipeg. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is off today. In our last segment, we were talking about infill development, how a lot of Winnipeggers want to move into mature, established neighborhoods that are a bit more central. And uh, we mentioned Sage Creek. And 
I was just curious, GMAC, have you ever wandered through Sage Creek? It's been a while, but uh, I would say in the last year, absolutely, I've been through that neighborhood, yes. Yeah, I, I have a friend who lives there, and I guess I can't remember what the, I guess I had to go pick him up, but I was early. So I just kind of drove around exploring that neighborhood. I didn't realize how deep it goes. Turns out it goes almost from Lajemodier all the way to Plessis. But I, I learned that you can't, access that neighborhood from Plessy's. So if you get a house that's almost adjacent to Plessy's, and I don't know exactly how close it is to Plessy's, but if you get a house that's near Plessy's, you have to go up to Lajemodier to get into that neighborhood, which to me just boggles the mind. Well, uh, never mind. Have you ever sat at a red light at the intersection of Lajemodier and uh, Bishop Grandin and look if you're facing south, look to your left, and there's that power line there and all that vacant land. Uh, every time I go through there, I think, well, how long before they start an extension of Bishop Grand and working towards the perimeter? Because the access into Sa- in Sage Creek is, it's, it's basically, one, well, I guess it's two streets now because yeah. they have one at the south. There's a Ward Avenue that yeah. continues across Lajemodier, but uh, wasn't always the case. So uh, very awkward to get in and out of there. It's a bottleneck, no question. We've seen some very serious uh, collisions at that uh, that uh, intersection where that uh, shopping center is heading in and out of Sage Creek. So uh, that's part of the problem, right, with greenfield development is the fact that, yes, it's all wonderful and you, you buy a brand new house, beautiful home, uh, growing neighborhood, but then you start demanding the major infrastructure that is associated with it, including extensions of major roadways like... Bishop Grandin. How much is it, would it cost to extend that Bishop Grandin? You're into tens of millions of dollars, maybe a hundred million bucks. Who pays for that? Small town salute. Today we are heading to a community south of Winnipeg, a small town looking for your support and acquiring some national recognition. St. Adolph, Manitoba is a vibrant, growing community in southeastern Manitoba, built on a rich history of hockey. Hockey is what we like to do around here. This rink was built with community members taking out personal loans to finance the arena and to put in hundreds and hundreds of hours of labour. It's really the heart of the community. Hockey's everything in St. Adolph, it really is. Seven days a week. Rink means a lot to me because it's like my second home. I love that place and I've always had the best time there. In February our ice plant went down. If we went Craft Hockeyville we would replace our ice plant, repair a moldy wall and add dressing rooms for female hockey players. We need to get this rink going. I can already see the faces of all the kids and their smiles. I know the kids can hardly wait to be back on the ice. Lori Stoddy is a community rally volunteer and joins us from St. Adolph. Good morning, Lori. Well, good morning to you, Greg. How's it going? We're doing very well. Thanks for making some time for us today. Two things right off the top here. For those who do not know exactly where your community is, maybe you can uh, do us the service of a geography lesson. And second, did we hear that correctly in that clip? The ice plant in your rink isn't working? You did. Yeah. Okay. So that exactly that was a great clip. Thanks for playing that. Like my job is done here. <laughs> it's a great yeah, short. It's a great. It's a great short film. Yeah. Yeah. They did a great job. Um, that's actually my neighbor's daughter that introduces the film. It was great that uh, that you've had her there on the radio. Thanks for that. Um, so yeah, our ice plant broke down uh, at the end of January there, which is why this whole uh, rally came about to enter into Craft Hockeyville with our tiny town here just south of Winnipeg. If you want to come and visit. Um, it's just a quick commute, 12 minutes from the south perimeter. If you want to take St. Mary's down, which is 200, Highway 200, it's a lovely scenic drive uh, following the Red River any time of year. And you'll pass, of course, the world's largest snow maze there. And then just another minute past that is uh, beautiful St. Adolph. And it's tiny, and it's uh, actually a really cute time right now to drive. I know there's not a lot of greenery out, but we've got a 12-foot Stanley Cup hiding right by the arena so if you drive to the arena to see our beautiful building that needs a lot of support you could take your picture with the Stanley Cup. <laughs> now Craft Hockeyville uh, what is it and what do you get if you win? <laughs> we get uh, a quarter of a million dollars to go towards 
our arena and community club. And the reason that this is so important to us, I mean, every community club needs funding and they fundraise. Um, but like, as you said, our ice plant is kaput. And uh, a lot of people went back to return to play in February and all of our 170 minor kids our junior C team, our Eastman Selects AA team, all of our hockey moms and grandpa league, everybody was told, no, there is no more hockey in St. Adolph. And ice time's at a premium in Manitoba, right? Everybody loves to play this sport. So um, we don't have anywhere else to go. We have a lot of kids and a lot of families who come to this place to not only play hockey, but we employ youth at the canteen and we have all our socials in this building and this quarter of a million dollars would just have this building back up and running because we don't have anything else in our tiny town. Well, let's be honest, uh, across thousands of communities in our country, the community center, the arena is the hub of the community for a big portion of the year, if not all year round, uh, Lori. So this is a big deal. Craft Hockeyville has been around for, well, for at least a decade. And so there are yeah, three... 15th year. Okay, 15th year. So there are three other communities across the country who want that quarter of a million dollars as well to upgrade their facilities. How do we help you win? Yes, yes, of course. Well-deserved communities. Um, Ours is also just a... (laughs) We really need this money just to get our entire community right back on board, the heart of our community beating again. And we need the help of all communities in Manitoba. Winnipeg would be amazing. You can go to crafthockeyville.ca and on April the 9th and 10th, you can cast unlimited votes. So this looks like you clicking your screen all day on Friday the 9th and on Saturday the 10th. And then right away on Hockey Night in Canada there on the 10th, they're going to announce the winner. So it's coming up fast. Mark your calendars. Friday, April 9th and 10th, go to crafthockeyville.ca and vote for St. Adolph, Manitoba. I'm looking at uh, St. Adolph Hockeyville on Instagram, and there's a video that features uh, the one and only Timu Salani. How did yes, that happen? Timu. Well, uh, again, lots of community members here love to help out, and that was just one of our um, guys in the community here, Adam Johnson, who had the idea just to reach out with one of those cameos, which are really popular right now. And uh, we posted it. I thought it was pretty awesome that he took the time to accept the cameo and do the video. So we posted the video. We tagged Timu Solani in it. And within five minutes, Timu had private messaged our Instagram account to say, I saw that you put my video up. Uh, thanks so much. And he's rooting for us. So pretty awesome. Well, it doesn't get better than that than having one yeah. of the greatest uh, all-time NHL hockey players, one of the most beloved Winnipeg Jets of all time in your corner. Lori, thank you for this, and we'll check Thanks in with time. you as we uh, make our way towards the it, – it's April 9th and 10th? You got it. Vote, vote, vote. All right. Lori Stoddy, community rally volunteer. Your energy is infectious, Lori. I can't see how you don't have a tremendous shot of winning this entire thing. Best of luck. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Have a good day. I was looking at Instagram and Global's Abigail Turner. Uh, she is a great follow on Instagram. Lots of good news updates there. Follow us on Instagram as well at 680CJOB. But she posted one that almost knocked me out of my chair. And uh, she explains the newest rule you'll need to know before teeing off. Manitoba golfers will have to crack a cold one at the clubhouse as the province's health orders don't allow for alcoholic drinks to be sold on the green. You can tee off at four city-owned courses that open today, including Kildonan Park, Harborview, Crescent Park, and Windsor Park. Other COVID-19 safety precautions are similar to last season, including limiting clubhouse capacity to 10 people and removing high-touch items like ball washers. Masks are not mandatory while golfing, and Manitobans are able to golf with people outside of their household. The City of Winnipeg's golf services manager expects it to be another busy season, as Kildonan Park is already booked full for the next two days, putting through 500 golfers alone. Abigail Turner, Global News. So I texted her immediately and said, what? And she says, I wish this was an April Fool's joke, but it's not.
One of our listeners said exactly that. Guys, you're getting played. This is an April Fool's joke. It is not an April Fool's joke. Yeah. So I put. I just did a quick search on it. I see the Brandon Sun uh, reported on this yesterday, and uh, they went into the fact that the provincial health guidelines for businesses with liquor service licenses restrict sales of alcohol to patrons who have purchased a meal and are seated at tables. Golf carts do not count. As tables, the rule makes sense for restaurants where customers have less room to roam and nothing to do but sit at a table or hit the VLTs, which is allowed. And on a 100-plus acre property with groups already limited to four physically distanced golfers, the players and course owners alike will be left scratching their heads at how this particular rule is limiting the spread of COVID-19. I understand rules. I understand trying to find a reasonable response to the rules. If the concern, Brett is gathering around the golf court, golf cart that sells the beverages, then can they not just simply do as was alluded in that article from the Brandon Sun and just be forced to deliver the beer to the cart? I I don't know. I I have a hard time wrapping my brain around how this is an issue if that if the congregation thing is their point of contention, yeah. So they, the the hope as well. The article goes on to say the hope across all local clubs is that it's a, just an oversight and can be amended sooner rather than later. Because they also point to the fact that well, all this is going to do is a it's going to hurt the golf clubs in terms of profit, right? Because they make money on alcohol sales, and it's just going to force people to well, not force, but you know that people are going to just sneak their own booze onto the course. It happens all the time already. Uh, but now it's just going to be happening more and uh, the courses aren't in any position to police that, right? I mean, how are they supposed to police that? That's uh, up to the province. So I am just stumped on this. I know that uh, Southside, I think they had, I'm not sure if this was a club rule, like a rule that they instituted themselves, but uh, I have some friends who went and they said that they had to buy food with every two drinks purchased. Okay. So they said they ended up as a group going through like 15 sandwiches. <laughs> hey, you do what you got to do. I, I mean, hey, there are people There are people right now shouting at the radio, hey, guys, you don't need to have beer to have fun on the golf course. It's not mandatory. What are you whining about? So why don't I take on that person? Hey, Brett, what are you whining about? Do you really need beer on the golf course? Is this really a big deal? <laughs> I, I suppose the answer should be no, I don't need it, but... Part the reason I enjoy golf, I mean, I like the game, but it's the social aspect of it. So I see it as almost no different than going to sit on a patio or go sit at the bar with a friend and enjoy a beer or a rum and coke uh, while I'm enjoying the day. It's well, just part of the day. Well, I would argue, and now I'm on your side here, I would argue that being on a golf course, a lot less a lot less proximity than being on the golf course with someone because you're not allowed to share a cart or are you allowed to share a cart? I think you can share a cart, yeah. They're they're encouraging people to wear masks. Uh, so I don't know if that, maybe they'll end up changing that rule because that was one of the rules at the start of last season, one person per cart. Would you trade having to pay extra for your own cart for the ability to indulge in a beverage? Ooh, Maybe that's the change. Maybe that's the trade-off that could happen here. Okay, because they weren't charging more last year for the for the mandatory uh, well, single cart. But of course, that uh, the, it's the golf course dipping into their own pocket. Then yeah. at that point, right? They've either got to put gas in the cart, rent more carts, and or plug them in. Mackling and, uh, and McGarry McNabb is tear, off cetera, today. And before so, we say uh, hello to our next guest, we're doing. Greg, you had a clip. We didn't have time for it last half hour. But I wanted to play it here. Uh, this was highlighted by a couple of listeners named Andrew. You know what time it is? It's time for me to see the friends at home in the magic mirror. Romper, bomper, stomper, boo. Tell me, tell me, tell me, do. Magic mirror, tell me today. Did all my friends have fun at play? 
All my friends had fun today. I see David's having a special day today. And Olivia Joy had a special day on Sunday. I see Robin had a special day Same yesterday. Brent. And Brent. Dana's having a special day today. <laughs> and so is Reginald and Edward Gabby. John and Margaret. And I see, I see Justin and Megan and Courtney and Brick and Mark and Rachel and Sheila and Caroline are all having special days. And Cicely and Ashley and Matthew and Jose. And I see Bonnie and Anthony and Joe had special days yesterday. And so did Tammy and Brandon Great. and Gregory. And yeah! of course, then, you know yeah! I see you. And I'll Boo! see you again. Romper room. <laughs> Favorite kids show or entertainer? Text us. Chance to win Santa Lucia pizza gift card, 20 bucks, giving it away in our next segment. We usually do this on Fridays, but since we're not here tomorrow, we're doing it today. Our Gab with Gabby, Gabrielle Marchand. Hello. Happy fake Friday. I hope lots of people are texting Mr. Dress Up. I miss Mr. Oh. Dress Up. He was so wonderful and kind. Huge love for Mr. Dress Up on the text line this morning. And I was talking about the documentary that I watched about Fred Penner. And in one of the last shows Fred Penner did on Fred Penner's Place... Mr. Dressup actually came on the show, Ernie Coombs, and it was very uh, shortly after Mr. Dressup's wife had died in a car crash. And Aww. so it was a particularly difficult time in Mr. Dressup's life. And Fred said, Hey, uh, you sure um, we can reschedule this or whatever? He said, Ernie Coombs, Mr. Dressup said, No, I, I want to be there. And there's a special song they sang. And uh, it was so poignant, and uh, Fred just teared up sharing the story. So Fred Penner and Mr. Dressup, very well connected over the years. So Mr. Dressup was your jam with kids' shows? I didn't grow up with grandpas. Both of my grandpas had passed away, and not to get too heavy here, but there were all these people I used to pretend were my grandpas, including Mr. Dressup, because I think I just felt connected to him. I'd watch him in the morning and be like, yeah, he could be my grandpa. He doesn't know that I'm his adopted granddaughter, but he'll find out maybe one day when I track him down. But anyway, he was a wonderful individual. Now I know why you and I get along so well, Gabby. You think that I'm your grandpa. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> with my gray beard. No, you're and, my cool, fun older brother. All Come right. on. Just, I, just, I, I was getting a little concerned there. You can pay me later, Greg. Okay. The, the money's in the, uh, in the bank. I'll e-transfer you. One of our listeners, actually a couple have mentioned a show from Saskatchewan. I remember my little brother who's in his 40s watching this, Size Small. Do you remember Size Small? I do not. Oh, yeah. You I oh, I forgot. Did you? You didn't have a TV. I did have. We did have a TV. We just had <laughs> Farmer Vision. So CTV and CBC were the only things we had right. access to. Mm, we shouldn't talk about it anymore. But uh, I didn't see Size Small. Sorry. Size Small? Okay. Okay. I, well, it, would that have even been around when Gabby was a kid, Greg? Thinking it might have been, but I don't know for sure. Because yeah, Gabby's y younger than my younger brother, so uh, we'll have to we'll have to check on size small, how long it ran, all that stuff. If you know seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Now, yesterday you had a conversation, Gabby, with Amanda Shave from Manitoba Important Bird Areas Program Coordinator uh, from Nature Manitoba, uh, talking about birding. And I wanted to talk to you about birding. Um, first of all, do you know? when it became birding as opposed to bird watching? I think birding is just like the cool, we're making it hip, we're bringing it back, we're birding, <laughs> we're trying to bring in the younger people to bird as well. <laughs> I wish you could play the bird is the word right now. I think, though, that it could be a really valuable habit if you're not into the baking sourdough that everybody else is doing. Because here's the thing. I have this disdain for geese. I really, I just find that they walk where they want. They yes. stop traffic. They do whatever they want. But birding is a way to appreciate birds because there are so many more furry, fluffy, feathery, whatever you want to call them, friends out there who are not geese and are not jerks. And then you bird, and you can get to know them. Because you're birding. You're a birder, right? Yeah, kind of. I, I have sort of become, at least there are, there are a couple of pockets of birds. One is right outside a building at 201 Portage. There's a tree in the courtyard that's surrounded by a couple of bushes. And every day, like clockwork, at 825 when I go outside, uh, there's at least one, if not two, maybe three. I'm not sure if they're sparrows or chickadees. I don't know. They're tiny birds, and they're super cute, and they sit there and chirp, and they jump around on the branches, and it just brings me peace for the two minutes that I'm there. I just I take so much enjoyment out of watching them and, and figuring out where they came. Like, they hide in the wall of the building next door. There's, like, a uh, just a gap in the bricks, and they I see them flying in and out of there. Uh, they 
did not come out the other day when it was super windy and super cold. But uh, for the most part, they're out there every day. And then in uh, Munson Park off Wellington Crescent, when I go for a walk, there are two woodpeckers who hide in that park. And it's sort of become a game like, where's Waldo? I just see if I can find the woodpeckers, if I can hear them or spot them. And uh, usually it, I'll, I'll find them sooner or later. Uh, so that, I, I just, I've now taken a lot of joy out of watching the birds. So I would like to find, it'd be neat to see an eagle. I, Amanda mentioned yesterday, a lot of people are seeing those, right? I watched, yeah, she said more people are getting into this. We get a lot of viewer photos of eagles. We saw actually, um, I think it was a falcon in our view here up top on the 30th floor where we could sort of see it had like a ledge and it was eating. It was actually toying with an animal and then had its breakfast in front of us, which was honestly kind of (laughs) disturbing, but interesting to see how nature works. Greg, are you into birding? A little bit. I, I like to spot the unique birds for sure. We have a couple blue jays in our neighborhood. Fun. Yeah, they're real jerks, actually, apparently. and oh. uh, But they are absolutely beautiful. Cardinals are my favorite. Pretty rare and difficult to see. I love ducks, canvic, canvas back ducks. I think uh, are the kind of have to look it up. I think that's a, one with the green neck is a canvas back. Okay. But I'll have to double check. But uh, speaking of eagles, what is that new piece of infrastructure along Taché there, the lookout there, where, you know, you can uh, walk oh. by the hospital? And uh, what do they call that? It's got a French name to it. Uh, I can't remember. I was over there taking some pictures of it. In fact, did a story about it when it opened. Was that about three years ago? Yeah. Anyway, I spotted a... a, a bald-headed eagle uh, in a tree right over there on the Red River. So, Was uh, it beautiful? uh, Eagles are just, uh, they might be my favorite. Neat. Yeah. You're right, blue jays are jerks, and they're super annoying. They're beautiful, and then until they open their mouth and start squawking, just an awful, awful sound that comes out of the blue jay. We just got to quickly ask you as well, Easter treats. We know you like food. I love chocolate. I love gravy. I think my favorite Easter treat, I keep bringing this up. I love gravy. My favorite Easter treat is gravy, whether it's on mashed potatoes or stuffing or turkey. I would take gravy before chocolate, but Reese's peanut butter, anything for chocolate. What about you guys? Don't say peeps. Oh, Oh, no. Okay, hang on. What happened this morning with Kayla? Kayla loves peeps. She's specified stale peeps. She likes the stale marshmallows, and then she called them pee-pees on air, and I couldn't keep my act together. <laughs> yeah, we had the discussion about the stale peeps and the fact that they that, that's not a very strong endorsement of your product if it's better stale than no. it is fresh. One of our listeners, Tim, loyal listener Tim, says, does eating KFC considered birding? <laughs> Tim, yes, I'm into that. That's Gabrielle sure. Marchand is host of Global News Morning Weekdays from 6 to 9 on Global Winnipeg. We, we talk to her every Friday usually at 9.05, but since tomorrow's Good Friday, we talk to her today. Gabby, thanks for the early visit. Thank you, guys. Happy Fake Friday, and to everyone out there, enjoy your weekend, and hopefully enjoy some gravy. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is off today. And normally we have uh, deliberations on who is going to be our winner for the Santa Lucia Pizza $20 gift card. Um, but we did not have those deliberations because I was too busy talking to Gabrielle Marchand during the commercials. So, Greg, I'm going to defer this to you. Well, I sent you a text message, and when you like didn't answer... Like 30 seconds ago! Yeah, yeah, no, but when you didn't send me an like, answer, like I knew you were send, busy. You guys send me texts all the time right before we're going on the air. Yeah, well, that's, you know, that's when the uh, thought crossed my mind. Did do we have any other choice than to give it to Andrew to make up for all those years of sitting in front of his TV waiting for Miss Fran to call him on Romper Room? No, I th- I, I concur. Okay. Andrew is uh, the winner for not uh, ever hearing his name. No, but we have two Andrews. They're going to have to introduce themselves to one another and split the prize. I think the first, uh, yes. first come, first serve on this one. <laughs> I like it very much. And so many great text messages about Uncle Bob, Archie and his friends. Of course, size small. Only had a short run. We were talking about that very briefly. It ran from 883 to 86. 
produced out of Saskatchewan. Saskatoon, I think, was that the global station, actually, in Saskatoon. Lots of people uh, texting in about Friendly Giant, of course. We mentioned Mr. Dress-Up. Cam mentioned Cookie Monster and Sesame Street. So many great memories. Like, children's television and children's entertainment. Canada does it so, so very well. And here's a misconception. I hate to break your bubble or burst your bubble. Mm-hmm. Ernie Coombs, Mr. Dress Up, not Canadian. He's actually American. Really? He's, yeah, he started working on Mr. Rogers' show and saw the the magic of uh, what Mr. Rogers could do. Lots of uh, votes for Mr. Rogers as well. And then he came up to Canada and started doing the children's uh, the children's television here in Canada. He was actually, I think he was from Pennsylvania. I should have looked that up. He was born in Lewiston, Maine. Lewiston, Maine. So that's sort of Canada, but it's on the other <laughs> side. It's on the other side of the U.S.-Canadian border. So yeah, he's uh, American by birth, but we uh, claim him as as our own, uh, the wonderful Mr. Dress-Up. And uh, Captain Kangaroo, somebody mentioned all those ping pong balls. Do you remember Captain Kangaroo and the moose? Of course. And and all the ping pong balls that would drop from the ceiling. I don't know what triggered that. I can't remember what triggered that, but that was a big part of of that show. Also, Mr. Rogers actually debuted in Canada. You know what? On CBC. There we go. That's right. Before. That's in the documentary or is that in the Tom Hanks? I think it's in the documentary. In the documentary, which, I mean, either film, you can't go wrong. So powerful. Congratulations, Andrew. Sorry I never got your name mentioned on Romper Room, but you're getting your name mentioned on CJOB. And I know we, we know we had two Andrews, but we're giving it to the first one. Uh, I'm sorry, second Andrew. <laughs> so I guess you don't get name mentioned on Romper Room and no gift card today. No, no uh, gift card, but name mentioned. Yes, that's right. The name has been mentioned. Uh, <laughs> I, feel, I feel guilty now. I'm sorry. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is off today. And we would invite you to follow us on Instagram at 680CJOB. We're almost at 8,000 followers. So that's a nice round number. So please give us a follow there because Instagram is uh, it's a fun place to be. It's my favorite form of social media. Not a lot of anger on Instagram for the mm. most part. And there are all kinds of of cool things being made right here in Winnipeg, in Manitoba. People with amazing talents, and Instagram is a great place for them to showcase said talents. And that's where we're going with this. And if I say the words, tiny house together, what do you think of? Perhaps you think of this gem, courtesy of Will Ferrell and Ben Stiller. Without much further ado, I give you... The Derek Zoolander, sinner for kids who can't read good. It's of course a model. (laughs) What is this? (laughs) A center for ants? What? How can we be expected to teach children to learn how to read if they can't even fit inside the building? <laughs> so dumb. Derek, it's just a small... I don't want to hear your excuses! Not a fan the of the center has to be at least... three times bigger than this. <laughs> I was wondering what you were doing watching Zoolander this morning. <laughs> Did you like that movie or not? Yeah! Okay, I wanted to make sure. So for the non-movie obsessed, it would be those tiny houses people are building to live off grid when you mention the words tiny and house together. It's in fact, uh, apparently, it qualifies as a movement, the tiny house movement. TV shows have been created to chronicle people building these tiny houses, which are often built on an 8 by 20 foot footprint. But that's not what we're discussing (laughs) our next guest. You can find her on social media, as Brett mentioned. I found her on Instagram under the username Just Call Me Jen. So that's what we're going to do. Good morning, Jen. Good morning. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. Well, it's great to make your acquaintance over the phone, but I feel like I know you've been watching your videos. Amazing (laughs) stuff. Oh, my word. Oh, you're very welcome. Tiny House, what you're building um, 
yeah, the houses you're building, very tiny. Just how small are they? <laughs> how tall are they? Oh, they're inches tall, maybe one, two inches, depending on the size of the structure that I'm replicating. And so are these houses that you build, that you create, are they built to scale? Yes, I try my best to do it. I, um, I use my, you know, my laptop, I have my ruler there, and I kind of, you know, eye it. And it's almost something that comes naturally to me. It's just, okay, you know, is this, does this, you know, dimension make sense? Uh, is the client going to look at this house and say, that's what I ordered? So that's kind of what my thought process is. Oh, well, you know what? I got so engrossed in uh, the videos that you were making and, and how you were going about it. I know the answer to these questions. How long does it build take to build one of your creations? It takes about a week, I would say. So um, I haven't actually calculated the amount of time, but I'm saying 50 plus hours probably uh, per, each, per each house design with landscape and what inspired this crafty venture of yours well i've always been an artist per se i have a family of artists and you know i was doing dioramas and then i I, you know i was buying little houses at thrift stores and stuff and i thought you know what i want to i want to have a house in this that represents that gift for that individual so their house or their cabin or their grandma's house so i kind of just did that and i use recycled materials and I recreated my mom's first home or my dad's house and, you know, put it in this creation that, you know, means so much to them. And I don't know, it just comes naturally to me. Now, dioramas, uh, I've helped build a couple in the last decade or so. My my kids are in grade nine and I can remember dioramas from when I was a kid, but you, you built dioramas? Like landscapes, you know, some, and it's usually sentimental, so a memory of something. So, you know, we used to drive in our old Chevy van um, to BC with my dad and my sister and my mom. And so I, you know, I recreated that event in a diorama. So I colored the, you know, the van to look exactly or try to be exactly like that. And, you know, I put us in there and, you know, a lot of memories that kind of focused on on that uh, memory. So then, you know, that was a gift for my dad. How long does it take? How long does it take to build one of your creations? Um, well, like I said, it's about a week because um, I have a full time job as well. But it's about fifty hours. Fifty. Fifty plus hours. Yeah. Well, I hope you're. I hope you're charging appropriately. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. I guess. But you know what? It's almost like the love of it too, and I just like to put a smile on people's faces when they see this, and it's you know. Sentimental gifts, I think, in my opinion, are are super cherished and important, and people love that kind of stuff. So I think in the last video I saw, you were building a house, I think you said it was in Tuxedo or something, so it doesn't have to be yeah. an old house. You have an anything. eye, and you have the ability to recreate uh, modern architecture as well. So people are coming yeah. to you, and, and they're requesting that you build these as gifts for people yeah. that they love. Exactly. And most of the clients that I have, um, it is gifts. You know, it's like a grandparent's cottage that was torn down, you know, 30 years ago. So I get all these old pictures and I recreate that. And I like to add little things too. Like, did they have, you know, some sort of laundry on, you know, hanging up and, you know, all these little things that remind people of, you know, kind of go back in time almost in that, in that aspect. We're talking to Jen, a.k.a. Just Call Me Jen, on Instagram. If you have Instagram, make sure you look up this profile so you can see the pictures and video of the amazing stuff that she's created. If you don't have the app, you can still Google. Just Google Instagram, Just Call Me Jen, and you'll be able to find that. Uh, How long before I could get one? Like, if I wanted to place an order with you, uh, how long? What's your waiting list? Well, right now I'm booking January 2022, so almost... Yeah, I'm fully booked this entire year. Thankful to these Winnipeggers. You guys are great. You gave a real shout-out to to Winnipeg, and I happened to be in Croatia back in May of 2019, so it caught my my ear that you're doing a house for for somebody in Croatia as well? Well, yeah, it's a family that lives in Winnipeg, but their family home is in Croatia, and it's actually on my Instagram right now, and I made their home, and because the earthquakes that just happened there, the house might fall down, so... Um, the daughter made it, you know, a gift for her mom and have this house. So if it falls down, she has, you know, she's able to hold it in her hands kind of thing. So, yeah. 
What can we ask you what the price range is for yeah. the stuff that you make? Oh, for sure. So if it's uh, all four sides, I charge $200 um, flat and then with landscape and then three sides with landscape, I'm charging 150 right now. That's not bad. I think you're giving it away. <laughs> yeah. You know, I know, I know for a lot of people that, that that's a lot of money, but if you're putting yeah. 50 hours into something, I know it's for the love of it, but uh, yeah. I mean, you didn't ask for my business advice, so I'll back off, but I'm just <laughs> suggesting no, you might be giving these things away. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's what comes with crafts, right? You never really get the money that you put in, but if you love what you do, it's, it's like if you have the best job, it's, you know, I don't know. It's, that's, that's I don't know. It just point. works out for me. And I just, the smile on people's faces, getting these gifts is kind of payment in a way too, as well for me. Are you just on Instagram? Uh, just on Instagram now. Yeah. I do have an email address that's attached and websites coming soon, slowly but surely. Well, Jen, thank you so much yeah. for joining us and thanks You're for, welcome. thanks for bringing into the world, uh, your talents. As I pointed out, uh, as Instagram, I think is a wonderful spot to just sort of explore and find all the neat things that people are capable of doing. And it's given uh, people like you an avenue to, to not only highlight your talent, but actually make some money off of it. So I think that's amazing. <laughs> Congratulations you. on your success booked into it. January, 2022. That is outstanding. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks Jen. And thanks for preserving some very, uh, precious memories for folks uh the work that you're doing it's a you know it's like a three-dimensional photograph and that, that's just extraordinary so thanks for making some time for us today and and continued success let's keep in touch oh wonderful thanks guys just call me jen you can find her on instagram and believe us you will not uh be disappointed when you have a look at this page the stuff that she is creating is truly staggering Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.